Hey there. Welcome back to Alaris Classroom, presented by Alaris North America. We promote international knowledge and skills circulation by matching global leaders with emerging market organizations. And we are glad to have you today. Hello, everyone. Thank you for listening to Alaris Classroom. Today, we have Eric Tan, the CEO and co-founder of InstaHome, joining us on this episode. InstaHome is one of the leading home rental platforms in Malaysia. Before founding InstaHome, Eric was the chief of staff to the CEO at Catcher Group, where he led the group's investment team in driving new investment opportunities and providing hands-on operational and corporate development support for their portfolio companies. Prior to that, he founded a live streaming app backed by Catcher Group in Indonesia and was previously the head of Southeast Asia at a London-based mobile app analytics startup, Reflection.io, where he led their growth and expansion effort in APAC. Welcome, Eric. Hey, Chelsea. Good to be here. Great. So let's start off with the very first question. Uh, we know that the company that you have founded, InstaHome, is a home rental platform in Malaysia. So why did you and your co-founder choose the property rental market and what makes it an attractive market for you? Um, yeah, that's a that's a very interesting question, right? So as a as a second time founder myself, uh, there's a lot of kind of learning from the first experience that I we wanted to avoid. So uh, broadly speaking, the first mistake I made previously was I went to a company. I I started a business that I don't genuinely uh, passionate. Uh, I'm not genuinely passionate about the idea. It was just something cool, something exciting, and then we decided to do it. Uh, and and when the the time came where things became a bit shaky, it was very hard to keep going because. Uh, we realize that we don't understand our users that much because we are not the users. Uh, and I think that kind of underpins the whole genesis of uh, InstaHome, right? So the most important thing for us was, uh, do we feel very strongly about the problem? And that was the biggest uh, uh, biggest uh, motivator to start this business. So um, stemming from, so one thing is we understand the problem and we personally feel very strongly about the problem. Uh, and mm-hmm. two is, you know, it is a big market opportunity. Uh, and three is it is a problem that other people also face. And then finally is we also understand the industry quite well because of our past experience. So I'm just going to quickly kind of go through some of these things, right? So uh, yeah. me, I have been a land, have been a renters for the last you know, seven, eight years now. Uh, you know, go through the whole journey of looking for properties or to, to rent. Uh, and mm. then you know, messaging a bunch of people, uh, agents, landlord, and then not getting replies uh, in many cases and have to, you know, schedule different uh, appointments with multiple agents and send the same set of information to multiple people. Uh, and then when you want to go visit, you need to be in, in the country or in the state, uh, which I wasn't when I moved back to KL five years ago. So what happened was I had to get my cousin to go see the place and you know, Skype me. Back then, it's probably Skype me and then, uh, and then tell me, oh, what is this place all about? And then I realized that, hey, actually... Uh, in the in the last five years, technology has changed a lot, and a lot of the, these experiences can be moved online, right? So uh, we started mm-hmm. reflecting on our own experience and realized, hey, why can't we just move our uh, viewing experience online with a three D virtual tour uh, that's commercially quite viable now? And then we started asking the next question, hey, why can't we just move the uh, the whole transaction process onto the internet, like scheduling mm-hmm. appointment, uh, signing the contract, paying the mm-hmm. rental, and just as long as we give really transparent uh, information on the listings, it's actually very doable. Uh, so that's the, the starting point. And then Patrick, my co-founder, 
who was my then boss said that hey actually as a landlord there's a lot of pain as well like we we had to deal with a lot of uh, uh, tenants that sometimes uh, has issue uh, uh, sometimes they, they don't have the capacity to screen the tenant properly so in the end uh, they get terrible tenants and they have to deal with the aftermath uh, and then they you know most landlord view rental as a um, as a passive income but it's actually not mm. the case anymore once you have a lot of issues that you have to deal with and in the end you are generating you know two three four percent in yield but you're having to put in the 10 hours a month at least to deal with the property right uh, so then you would argue well, i might as well you know spend the 10 hours researching stocks and invest in the stock market for a higher return mm-hmm. so uh, it's really kind of the view from landlord uh, that face challenges uh, getting out the rental property faster uh, rent it out faster and then fa- you know, qualifying for good tenants and then from a tenant side is how do we uh, s- streamline the whole research process and transaction process to move things online uh, and that's how it all gets started and then we, we dug further and then we, re- we also realized that this is a big market opportunity which is something that's quite important to us is to target a problem that is huge enough and meaningful enough so that it impacts more people uh, and then and ultimately it's also one of the key questions that people would ask in the industry these days is, hey, uh, how do you make sure that you know, Google don't do the things that you're going to do or Grab don't do the thing that you're mm-hmm. going to do, right? Because they're all very well capitalized and great people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, the, the question that people ask is, hey, why, why don't you think you know, I probably, your property guru, the, the incumbents in the market is not going to do it? And, and we realize that we actually know the business model and the mechanism of the classified portal business very well that it's very hard for them to do what we're trying to do because they have to fundamentally change their business model uh, to be able to compete in our current kind of uh, product, right? So uh, for all these factors, you know, big problem, big market, uh, inherent industry structure, and also we are very personally passionate about the idea. Uh, those are like the key factors that you know, we decided uh, that, that made us uh, wanted to launch Insta Home. Yeah, that sounds like it's very it's been quite well thought out. And also I'm sure your um previous boss Patrick has given you quite a lot of guidance as well. So then before launching Insta Home, we know that uh you were the chief of staff at Catra Group, where Patrick is the CEO. Mm-hmm. Uh how was it like to work in a venture capital company? Cause um yeah, like many people don't really understand the role of chief of staff. What did this role mean to you? <clears throat> Yeah, I think maybe maybe a slight kind of update to to what Catcher does. Catcher is really not not completely just a VC. We are we, mm-hmm. we see ourselves uh, a, as a internet holding companies that build and invest in in companies, right? So uh, it really means that we could build something from scratch, or we could invest like a VC would, or we could acquire businesses and scale alongside with the original uh, kind of founding management team. So. Mm-hmm. Um, Working in an environment like that is very exciting because you get exposed to many different things and because of the nature of the company where it is very small and boutique, uh, we get to do a bit of uh, many different things. So I think the exposure side has been you know, tremendously uh, helpful to my growth. So mm. in the, in, on the point of Chief of Staff, and, and this is a very funny question, right? Because especially mm. in, in Asia, uh, people are not so familiar with the concept of Chief of Staff and yeah. it's really, you know, for... For the benefit benefit of the listeners, it's really a concept that's borrowed from the White House, and then uh, people <laughs> try to kind of tweak it in the corporate world to, to fit to the corporate structure, right? And mm. a lot of people think I'm the head of HR, which I'm not. Uh, mm. <laughs> yeah, that's the common perception. <laughs> uh, and you must handle the people, uh, but that's not the case. So 
I think a chief of staff uh, as a role depends a lot on who the boss is. Uh, and if you're working for a corporate CEO, there will be different kind of style. If you're working for entrepreneur, in my case, uh, it's a slightly different sort of style. Uh, my the, the good and the bad thing for my role was there was no clear job description in, in, mm. my, in my role. Uh, the, the mandate is very simple, right? We want to grow our asset under management and whatever that I do has to directly contribute towards that. Um, mm. So for me, it's really three things. One is uh, the strategy. So think about the, the strategy of the organization and uh, work with the CEO to lay out a plan. Uh, so that's one. Two is that once we have that of where we want to go, then it's about doing it and executing the plan. Uh, and that's a, a big part of my role because uh, you know one of my job is to free up time for my CEO to kind of spend more time thinking and, and strategizing on what to do. Uh, and then mm-hmm. I take up the part of doing it and then making it happen. So that's, I think, part two. Uh, and then three is just like a general sounding board uh, and a backup for CEOs for things that he might or might not be able to do, right? So... Uh, I think those were kind of three key components. But I guess what was different for uh, our organization then was uh, my my responsibility also includes running a, an investment team, uh, which means I have direct report uh, to, to direct report uh, uh, reporting to me. Whereas I think this is something that might not be so usual in a typical corporate uh, chief, you know, chief of staff role, where it's more execution and, and individual contributor. Um, so I think that would be something that's rather different from a typical, uh, typical chief of staff role. Mm. Yeah, great. And did you actually move into uh, this industry with the aim of setting up your own business? Yeah, yeah. I think uh, very early on, I um, uh, I, I can't even retrace how long ago this. This must be like maybe twenty years ago when I was a kid. Uh, I've always wanted to become an entrepreneur. Uh, and ever since then, all the decision that I made was kind of tr- trying to get myself closer to that path, right? Be it, you know, choosing what to study, choosing you know what what extracurricular activities to do, choosing what skills to improve on, um, and and that's uh, one of the biggest reasons why I joined Catch Up, which is to work with uh, entrepreneurs that have been there, done that, and hopefully learning something along uh, along the process that will be kind of relevant to my future career path. Um, <clears throat> oh, but actually, future career path is a very loose concept because as an entrepreneur, there's no path. But you just gotta. <laughs> you have uh, to forge your own path. <laughs> you have to forge your own, own path. But it helped a lot, you know, because uh, Patrick and, and Luke, his partner, has been a tremendous mentor to myself. Uh, and then having someone that has uh, that kind of credibility and experience definitely helps helps broaden my horizon. Uh, and they are also very generous with their sharing and and learning uh, with with people like ourselves. And it's a very good balance, right? Because they, they are at a stage of their life where they've learned a lot. Uh, they, mm. uh, uh, they have a lot of network. They have a lot of experiences, a lot of know-how. Uh, but mm. they don't have the same level of energy uh, as 30 years ago anymore, uh, which we uh, internally kind of broadly uh, admit it. Uh, whereas we have the opposite, right? We're young, but we don't necessarily have the resources that they have. Mm. And so it's a, it's a good partnership and... Uh, and that's uh, one of the biggest reasons why I decided to join Catcher now, what, three mm. plus years ago. Nice. It's it's great to hear that you're following your childhood dream. I don't know how many people out there are actually doing what they've thought of when they were just like five years old. That's so <laughs> awesome. I think there's mm-hmm. also a lot of uh, influences from from like uh, family members as well. Like I, I grew up mm. in, a, in a kind of a very Chinese household where a lot uh-huh. of my aunt and un- uncle and aunties uh, were not very well educated. Uh, mm-hmm. And because of that, 
they are not employable in a typical corporate sense and mm. to, to make to make a living they have to be very creative and entrepreneurial mm. and start businesses themselves right so I have like auntie uncles that are like selling stuff in a wet market I have uncles that you know started property development companies yeah. you no know, growing up you know, I, I'm just surrounded by people that are self-employed and, and entrepreneur in their own sense right so it's just to me quite natural to to kind of follow that path as well mm. cool so you kind of mentioned a bit on this just now, like mm. uh, you joining Kepler Group really exposed you to that entrepreneurship scene. Uh, mm. How else did it prepare you for running your own startup? Yeah, uh, I think there's a couple of things. Uh, one is the kind of work that we do at, uh, on a daily basis, right? So a big chunk of my work was to figure out what are the things that we want to invest in, and like what are the big trends I want to catch on to, uh, what are the industries that are interesting and what's the latest development. And because of that, we are exposed to uh, many case studies and many interesting companies that's doing interesting stuff globally. Uh, and, and you get a lot of ideas on you know, what are the kind of go-to-market strategy that you can take uh, given different market contexts. So mm. those are things that are skills that you know, we kind of learn and knowledge that we picked up along the way. Uh, that's one thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, two is the portfolio companies uh, that we support. So we have very few uh, investments compared to a traditional VC, right? So we probably make two to four investments every year, uh, but we, mm-hmm. we we make concentrated bets, meaning if we we are convicted in one area, then we will deploy a lot of capital into it and make sure that mm-hmm. we, we see it through. Uh, because of that result, we also tend to get quite hands-on in our portfolio company. So we have portfolio companies that has maybe about 10 people, uh, up to like 500 uh, people in, in the company, right? So uh, because of that, I get to see uh, companies that are in, va- in their various stages. Uh, mm. So sometimes I would spend you know, three months uh, exclusively on a portfolio company to help them run a M&A process, right? Or I could join a company in their product team for like six months just to see through a certain transition. Um, and those are all very, very formative experience because you, you get to be on the trenches. You get to work on uh, things that, are mat- that matter a lot to the companies. And because different companies are at different stages of their lives, you tend to see the, the problems that uh, that are kind of different for different stages of the firm. So, for example, mm. a 10-people a firm, uh, communications is not a big issue, right? Because you yeah. all sit in like in the same office, you go to lunch together, uh, you see each other every day, right? But then when you have 500 people in the team, uh, the whole dynamics change a lot because now communication is not like just between 10 people, it's between 500 people. And you there are things that you need to do uh, that you never had to do because now you need to document things properly, make sure there's like uh, when there's a transition in people joining or leaving, then the information don't get lost uh, and you need to make sure that everyone kind of see the same same direction and when you have 500 people, you, you don't just, just type it on your Slack, right? You need to make sure that uh, your the, the you know, minus one, minus two are very clear and then the, the culture and the vision trickles down from the top. So the, the considerations and the requirement to run a small and big organization is very different, uh, which is why always in the industry, you, you know, sometimes some people just <clears throat> know that they are better at running a small company and they transition mm-hmm. out, of, out of the CEO role after a while. Yep. Uh, and having to see that uh, it is very formative. I think that definitely helps a lot. Uh, and then two is uh, you know, working with a lot of CEOs of different sizes of company, and we you start to see what makes a, a good CEO and a bad CEO, right? Um, and and that also helps a lot in forming and informing my own style uh, as mm. a, as a leader of the company. 
and mm-hmm. what matters at what stage and make, making me being very conscious uh, of what, what, how I should prioritize because there's just a, much, a lot of things that uh, I could do now uh, given the reality of the business. So I think mm. uh, the, the catch-up experience definitely helped a lot uh, because mm-hmm. of the way we do things and the way that uh, the, the, the things that are happening in the scene that we try to keep, uh, keep an eye out on. Yeah, and this is a great lead-in to the next question. Um, so having seen so many different companies and startups, what do you think are the common pitfalls for startup co-founders? Um, startup co-founders, I think, the to me, number one, is not staying close to the problems and the users. So that was like my, my own mistakes uh, the first time around as well. Um, mm. Not understanding the problem well enough and trying mm-hmm. to create a solution to a problem that don't really exist. I think, mm. I think that's one, uh, the key uh, mistakes. Uh, I think two is not, um, not, not having a very strong view of the culture of the company you want to build and, and by extension, you hire the wrong people. Uh, I think so the people is uh, number two. So number one is a product. Number two is the people. And then mm-hmm. number three is just not knowing what this company is supposed to be, right? So what I mean by that is that is this going to be a, a venture back kind of uh, businesses or is this going to be a, a small SME sort of businesses which mm. you know, uh, both are perfectly fine, right? But you kind of need to decide how you want to run your business. Is this a high growth kind of business or is this a, a profitable, uh, profit-focused business? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that the identity of the business is also quite important uh, because it also informs you know, what, what you should do next. So if I have to kind of sum it up, is uh, the problem, the people and the direction of the business. Mm. Then for the last point that you mentioned, how do you see going for InstaHome? I think we are definitely more growth oriented uh, than uh, than a typical SME, and the reason is because uh, we are running a marketplace, and in, in the marketplace sort of businesses, there are three ways you typically can get to scale and and mm. and build your moat, right? So one is you get big really fast, and then your network is your moat. Uh, so these are like the likes of you know, Facebook and Instagram and Google and uh, and all the marketplaces you see out there, uh, eBay, Amazon. So, so that's the approach that we take. Or second is you have a regulatory mode. So if you're in financial technology, sometimes you get a license that would kind of defend you against the, the other, other new guys for, I don't know, six to 12 months. Uh, and then the, the third one is just uh, uh, the, the IP, right? So what's your secret sauce to your product that mm-hmm. people will take mm-hmm. a long time? So for us, I think, there's not a lot of IP per se in our business. There are some things that we do that you know, uh, that we, we do better than others, uh, but really is how do we scale fast so that we build a network around it. Mm. Cool. And um, you've been a leader throughout your career so far, first as head of Southeast Asia in Refraction.io, then chief of staff at Ketcha, and now CEO of Instahome. Uh, what do you think are the three most important traits that a leader should possess? Hmm. Uh, this is this is something that I also learned a lot, and I still still am uh, trying to learn and improve myself every day, right? So I think three things. One one is a um, CEO should be a long term thinker in the business. And mm-hmm. uh, what what I mean by that is to set the goal and strategy and priorities right for everyone, uh, because you're captain of the ship, right? If you don't know where we're sailing and no one knows what to do, like where where do you put your put your wind? Uh, how how do you kind of navigate the, the ship right so that's one uh, being a long-term thinker uh, and having having that um, it's not enough if you can't communicate well right so the second thing is uh, being an effective communicator 
And what I mean by effective communicator, I think there's probably three things uh, kind of make up a, a great communicator. So one is you're able to, to listen and understand and empathize uh, with the, the people in the team. Uh, and two is that once you get all this information that your team feeds you and everyone feeds you, how do you synthesize and get the get a meaning out of what you receive? Uh, and then the final point is that once you discern and synthesize, you know, how do you broadcast and communicate it uh, externally, right, to, to the team so that everyone knows, okay, this is where we want to go. This is how we think we can we can get there, uh, and let's let's run, right? Um, and then beyond that is really being a constant learner because we live in a very uncertain kind of environment these days, right? So. Uh, being a constant learner uh, would help a leader to constantly adapt and not get boxed into a certain kind of frame of thinking, which is often very, very dangerous for a kind of high change environment these days in, in our world. Uh, so I think those are three things, right? Like one is a long-term thinker, two is being an effective communicator, and then three is uh, being a constant learner. Mm. And like coming into this role so far, what has been some of the more challenging things that you have encountered? <clears throat> is it like managing a team? Is it like um, trying to make the platform successful? You know, things like that. To, to me, the hardest thing would be to set reasonable goals. Um, <clears throat> and, and the reason why I say that is that because we are a young company, but we do want to set goals and direction so that people can have, have a milestone to work towards, right? Uh, yep. But the challenge of setting a milestone at such a young company is because we don't have any baseline. Mm. Um, so to, to do that, we need to look look for a lot of benchmark of very kind of similar companies that are at a similar stage. So I'll say that it has been something that is a bit tricky. And the reason why it's tricky for me is that I don't want to set unreasonable goal that is not attainable, right? Because that will demotivate everyone at the team. But at the same time, I don't want to set too easy of a goal that oh, it's so easy that there's no challenge at all. So I think that is, uh, I think the, the, the challenge that I face uh, at, at our current stage. Mm. Okay, and uh, you you are currently hiring for for Insta Home, right? Uh, yeah. What what kind of roles are you hiring, and what do you look out for in candidates? Yeah, so so we are hiring across the board, um, engineers, marketers, uh, B staff folks, and operations folks. Uh, really up and down, junior, senior role. Really, we are opening to. So in terms of what we are looking for, I think there's a couple of ways we look at it. So the, the most important to us is that uh, we need uh, team members who understand and think like our user and are genuinely passionate about the problem that we're trying to solve, right? So what I mean by that is that this person has to either have been in recent history a renter or a landlord or an agent. So they know the problems they're trying to solve for our uh, our users. And pretty much like now, now all, uh, all of our team members had they, are, they were either agents or uh, a landlord or renters or people that worked in other kind of comp- kind of like industry, in, people that work in the industry, right? Mm. So uh, I think that's like a, a must. And, and I think the rest are all more like qualities rather than uh, a requirement. So I think mm. important to us is people with a high integrity because... Uh, I think we are we are trying to build a very transparent product, right? It means that you know, we, mm-hmm. we need to believe in the people around us and, and make sure that mm-hmm. they do the right thing, even when no one is watching. Uh, and then uh, two, and then three is you know, very diligent people, uh, very hardworking. Uh, and then finally, people that are very entrepreneurial and have a sort of like a growth mindset, where you know we are here to fix problem, 
So people that are very solution-oriented, uh, very resourceful when they have a problem, uh, they don't just come with a problem, they come with a few solutions and then kind of break it down and, uh, and solve it together. Great. Well, I hope um, you will be able to find your ideal candidates. And I found it very interesting that you actually want people who are kind of your target customers. And that's very important for a company that's trying to be customer-centric. I've, yeah, yeah I've uh, for other companies. I think this is like the mistake that I made in the, in the first company that I started. So I thought you know, this time around, I need to avoid the same mistake. Uh, and in fact, when we hire, we, we do kind of go through a 10 operating principles internally that we have to make sure that we hire the right people. And, and number one principle is a focus on the user. And this is a concept that we, we adapt from the great companies like Google, Amazon, and, and mm. Stripe. And we yeah. think it is very, very important to build things that users want uh, rather than what we think we want. Yeah, that's a really good point. Well, thank you so much, Eric, for joining us on this episode and sharing your insights with us. No, my pleasure. Great to, great to be part of the podcast. Yeah. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Thanks for listening. If you like it, please share with other people. Bye.